Welcome to the Small Business Surgeon Podcast, the show where we dissect the businesses of top producers, examine their growth strategies, and share with you the bare bones of their success. I am your host, Samuel Smith, and I'm glad you're here. Let's operate. Hey guys, what's up? Welcome to the Small Business Surgeon Podcast. Guys, I am really excited today to introduce our guest, Mr. Ryan England. He's the CEO of Core Matters, the creator of the Core Fit hiring system, the host of the Talent Tackle podcast, and most recently, a very soon to be published author of the, I am assuming it's going to be a hot bestseller, Hire Better People Faster. Ryan, welcome to the show, man. It's a pleasure to have you here. Thanks for having me. Dude, man, you've got a resume like a CVS receipt, man. I don't know where to start with you. I don't know where to begin. So, sorry. <laughs> you know, all right. So, I'll, I'll put this into context for you guys. Like, sometimes I get like a note that says, hey, you're going to be interviewing a dude. And sometimes I get a really, really well formatted list that's been put together through years of trial and error and SOPs. And it's wonderful. And it comes out on the other end. And Ryan has actually sent me the best list of interview questions I've ever seen. So thank you for that. I want to start at the beginning. I want to start at the beginning before we get to your book, before we get to anything else, Ryan, really quickly, because they don't have the sheet in front of them. Tell us just who you are and what you do. Yeah. Uh, founder, CEO of Core Matters, uh, creator of the CoreFit hiring system, a proven process to help entrepreneurs and growing businesses attract, hire, and retain better people. And over here at Core Matters, we partner with our clients, help them implement this process, train their team how to use it, essentially teach them to fish for better employees. I love that, man. How, how on earth did you get yourself into that line of business? That seems such like a specialist business. It's almost as though it, it, it arose from a need somewhere. How, how do you become like that guy? So I, I went to, got my degree in the 90s in human resource management, thinking, hey, I'm going to be on the people side of the business. Graduated right before 9-11. Right. Nobody wanted to hire HR people. So I went into sales and I did, the, I did banking for more than a decade. Wow. And uh, while I was in banking, I learned a lot about how to build teams, grow teams, watch them get disintegrated in the corporate reshuffle. <laughs> it was <laughs> insane. Yeah. So when I left there and started my own company, I, I wanted to work with small businesses again. I wanted to get away from corporate, work with the small business owner, the entrepreneur that's grinding it out, that just wants to make it happen for their family and the people they care about. So I started a marketing company primarily targeting home service contractors, plumbers, HVAC, electricals. That was a lot of passion for those people. And, and so what, this was around 2010, 2012, somewhere in there. Yeah, yeah, right, right 11 is when we started. Right as social media is just starting to really get a, so get a understanding. we're figuring this thing out. Yeah. And we're grinding. And then all of a sudden, about three years later, three years in, things are going well. Cancel, 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 cancel. All these clients start canceling on us. We're like, what did we do wrong? Mm -hmm. Turns out it wasn't us. They, we were generating leads for them that they couldn't service. Mm. So when I dug in and they really started talking to me, they're like, I got empty trucks sitting in my lot. I can't find technicians. I'm, I have one client, HVAC contractor in Phoenix, Arizona in the middle of July. If you've ever been to Phoenix yeah. in July, mm -hmm. you cook an egg and make your cookies on the sidewalk. Like mm -hmm. it's insanely hot. Yeah. They were getting phone calls for air conditioners not working in July 
and they were booking them three weeks out. Ooh, you can't do that. <laughs> you can't do that. So they're like, why yeah. am I paying for these leads? Yeah, yeah. I mean, it makes sense. I, I, you know, I spent quite a bit of time in real estate, and the amount of money it costs to generate a lead, if if nobody's there to call it, then it's com- it, it's a huge hole in the budget, man. I can I completely understand why they would uh, why they would shut you down. So how did you right. how did you mitigate that? That must have that must have sucked so losing went, all those contracts. Yeah, I went into one of my clients and I said, you know, what what's the real problem? They're like, we can't find tax. And I thought, well, you know recruiting is a marketing issue. Yes. You really believe that. Recruiting is a marketing issue. In fact, when you read my book, you're going to find out all about that. It's a marketing issue. And I was like, well, if you're not recruiting well, it's because you're not marketing well. Mm-hmm. Then once you get people in, now you got to interview them well, you got to onboard them well, you got to engage them, you got to keep them, you got to do all these things. And what mm-hmm. I did was I said, well, what if we did this? Why don't you keep paying me? And instead of me marketing your business, why don't I see if I can fill up your pipeline with technicians? So I went and I just studied and figured out the technology and everything else. Cause I just needed to figure out how to do it. How do you right, post a job? Right. All those things. Yeah. This was 2014, 2015. And uh, three was- weeks later they called me mm-hmm. and they said, turn the leads back on. I said, why, what happened? They go, whatever you did, we just hired four techs, filled all our trucks and we got two more techs waiting for trucks to show up. This is back when you could get trucks easily. Right, right. <laughs> And they're like, turn the leads back on. Like, whatever you did, keep doing it. And so I thought, I'm going to go call all those other clients mm-hmm. <laughs> that shut down leads that I can help you hire techs, pest control, plumbing, painting, concrete, like whatever it was. And then, uh, so we did that for a while. And then we got into construction. I thought, I like this. This is a lot more fun than websites and email marketing. Because yeah. I still get to do that. Mm-hmm. But it's on a recruiting front. Yeah. And then I started developing the system because I found out just getting them technicians wasn't enough. Right, right. We had to know how to onboard them and engage them and retain them and all that. So then I created the Corfit hiring system a couple of years later, mm-hmm. doubled down and said, I just want to teach entrepreneurs how to do this so they can get out of the grind and they can stop stressing about how to find good people. And here we are. Man, that's such a, a repetitive or recurring issue in small business. You know, it's, it's my bread and butter for a consultant. It's, it's, it's who my main target audience is. Um, and especially on the service-based side of things, you know, I noticed that there's there's definitely a struggle between the entrepreneur doing the work himself and the entrepreneur actually putting together a, a crew and a team. So for the for the sake of the audience to, to help them kind of understand a little better, what are some of the common mistakes that you see these service businesses making um, and, and how do you come in and kind of update them on those mistakes? I would imagine that most people listen to this that own a service business, put a ton of effort towards the customer, what I call the customer experience or the way the customer feels and the customer's journey mm-hmm. and, and all the things that the customer feels about working with you. And what they fail to miss is that really is step two. Step one is what if you took that energy and instead of putting it towards your customer, mm-hmm. put it towards your team? And you put all that energy into how's my employees feel? How does my team feel? What, what, what are they feeling when they get out of bed on, on, on Monday morning? What are they feeling when they go to bed Sunday night about coming to work? And you put the emphasis there and you created what I call the employee experience. You just create mm-hmm. a great one for them. And your employees were happy and they were engaged. Guess what they would do? They'd go create a great experience for your customers. Man, so many of us and, and you know, me included, all right? So I grew up in a blue collar world where authority came from people that shouted at you, 
right? The, mm-hmm. the boss just yelled at you to work harder. And so my, my mistake when I first started hiring people was to think that that's, that was how to do it. And I never once stopped and thought, what does my employee want? Why are they here? What are they working towards? What is yeah. their dream? And I forget which famous author it was. I believe maybe Napoleon Hill, mate, no. Zig Ziglar. It was Zig Ziglar. If you help the people get what they want, they will help you get what you want. It was Zig. And so in your experience, how often is that overlooked in blue-collar industries? Oh, I mean, it's, the exception is to look at it. I will tell you that. <laughs> and I would say that, you know, one of the things I love about working with the blue-collar, besides the, the down-to-earth and they just don't play games. And they, yeah. Like you said, they just yell at you. <laughs> you <laughs> that's, yeah, that's pretty much blue it. Blue-collar. You don't have to question if your boss is mad at you. Mm-mm. He's going to tell you. You know, there's, there's no subtle hints. <laughs> yeah. It's a white collar corporate stuff where you're like, did I piss off the boss? I don't I know. know. I'll find out in my annual review. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, but, but I would say that the majority of the time, and here's why, here's what I've learned about blue collar. These guys are creators. They're builders. They work with mm-hmm. their hand. Yes. Very few people came from a white collar background and started a blue collar company. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they started blue collar and they worked their way up and they said, I can do this. Mm-hmm. I can, I can run a business like this. And they wake up in a decade and they have 40 employees and they're just like, what the heck happened? And they don't know how to do it. And that's why they struggle. Like you asked earlier, they struggle with running the business versus running the jobs. Right. Right. At their heart, at their core, they're builders. That's what yeah. they want to do. They want to work with their hands. They want to mm-hmm. fix things. Mm-hmm. And um, we help our clients redirect some of that energy into Let's fix your team. Let's fix yeah. your employees. Let's invest in them. Yeah, I, I completely agree. Man, they're different skill sets. You can have a phenomenal carpenter, be great with his hands, and yet would, would never think to put a team together. So it's important to have uh, guys like you that can, that can guide them. You know? So why is it right now that, especially small businesses, why is it that recruiting is just so difficult why is it so hard Hmm. so i think that the big problem is that we have a whole bunch of employers Mm -hmm. that are looking for people and they're all looking for the same people and what they need to do is they need to put down the binoculars (laughs) put down the gps and say wait a minute what if i just stood right here and i became attractive Mm -hmm. to the right people And instead of looking, I started attracting people. And I started thinking, what do candidates see when they see me online? Mm -hmm. Do they like what they see? I mean, we think about that from customer perspective. Do the customers like what they see? Right, right. Why don't we take the time to think about, well, do the candidates like what they see? Mm -hmm. Job seekers like what they see? What's the experience like? Does someone apply for a job with you and then it sits in your inbox for two or three weeks until you're like, okay, I can't take it anymore. I need to fill this position. <laughs> you go through your inbox and you respond to all of them. Right, right. Or, or, or are you saying, hey, you know what? I understand that looking for a job sucks. Mm-hmm. It's scary. You're putting your neck out there. You don't know if this job is going to be better than the last job you just left. And it's stressful. Right. What right. if instead of just saying, hey, what about me? I said, how do I make this less stressful for the job seeker? Create an experience for them. So when they do apply, it's a great experience. And they're thinking, this is a company I want to be a part of. Right, right. So I think people that are struggling with hiring right now, it's because they're still looking. They're out there with right. the binoculars. Yeah. They're, yeah. All, they're all fishing out of Lake Indeed together instead of saying, <laughs> I'm just going to stand back. <laughs> and I'm just going to become very, very attractive yeah. to the people I want to attract. 
And that became the focus. Hiring becomes so much easier. Right, people actually want to work for you, you know? And yeah. It, yeah. And another thing, do you, do you think that's probably why a lot of job seekers are, are, are somewhat disengaged? I, I think that one of the complaints I hear about the most is, is there'll be an application to fill out and then you've got to go upload your resume and then you've got to type out the resume and there's just too many, too many steps. Um, yeah. you know, what do you think it is that's, that's got them so turned off? Um, you know, I think the, if you would have asked me this in 2019, I would have had a different answer. But I think the pandemic really exposed a lot of our shortcomings as employers. Yeah. It, it really opened up the, the employees' eyes to how the employer really thinks about them, what the, the, especially in the small business world, because mm -hmm. we weren't prepared for that. And we scrambled. And we didn't know what to do, especially if you're in one of those industries that were deemed non-essential. Yeah, no doubt. And like, if you were deemed essential, guess what happened? I, I mean, I, I know so many home service contractors that their business blew up in 2020, oh, 2021, yeah. 2022. Well, now they don't know what to do because business is plummeting. Mm -hmm. you, you just had to answer your phone and you were doing awesome in 2021, 2022 as a home Pretty service much. contractor. Yeah, yeah. But what happened was, Nobody spent any time. It was, it was a feast during those years. Why didn't we spend time in saying, how do I not only attract, but retain mm -hmm. good people so I can keep this going? And that was the number one challenge for most contractors during that period of time was they could not service people fast enough. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, where, where do you find these people? Like that's, and, and, you know, since I learned a few years ago about the likable, attractive character and standing out online and, and validating yourself you know that that's how i've approached marketing and recruiting um but like you know my question has just completely slipped out of my brain that does happen sometimes yeah i'm i'm not i'm normally pretty smart i can normally keep up with where i'm going but i just had a i just had a, a blank moment so um let's just move on right let's do it let's, let's just move do on it. whatever you um, want to ask I'm i here. i don't remember it's friday afternoon mate i'm sure there's some cobwebs up there and he's blowing out um i no wanted to, i, I want to talk to you about like because this is important man and we do a lot of mindset stuff on here and we do a lot of we do a lot of business stuff but we do very little hr stuff and yeah, yeah in all honesty with, with a lot of small businesses hr is 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 a problem that never gets solved it's one that they, they they avoid and then they'll go and get another bad hire and another bad hire and another bad and they say well no one can do it as well as me and i'll just do it myself and so i want to ask the ultimate question when you hire a good employee what's the best way to keep them and keep them for a long long term keep them around i'm, I'm gonna go back to what i said earlier it's about creating a great experience for them mm -hmm. and i think one thing i want to clear something up Keep in mind that recruiting is a marketing activity. It's not an HR activity. So if Absolutely. your HR department is doing recruiting for you, stop it. Mm -hmm. That'd be like having your CPA do sales for you. Oof, jeez. <laughs> right? I mean, think about it. HR yeah, people no, are right. compliance folks. A Absolutely. It's all about the rules and regulations and what you can and can't say. Mm -hmm. And they are necessary. Don't get me wrong. I'm not saying get rid of your HR people. I'm just saying don't let them do your marketing. Right. And then the interview... Don't let your HR people do the interview because that's your sales process. That's true. Yeah, you're, you're selling the your opportunity. Yeah. And then, and then when you get to onboarding, that's your fulfillment process. That's how you deliver. Mm -hmm. You would never send your CPA in to do your product <laughs> or service, right? Why? 
I mean, I, and, but that's what we do. We let HR do all of these things because we think, well, it's human resources. Right. right. Our team are human resources. So what I'd rather you do is give recruiting to the marketing team, mm -hmm. have your sales team help you with your interview and get your ops people to help you with onboarding because they know all about processes and systems and everything else. So you get this person. The first thing to keep in mind is that onboarding starts the day they apply. Okay. So if you don't have a solid application process, interview process, everything else, you are tainting that relationship. You're damaging mm -hmm. that relationship when they first come on board. Think right. about this. If, if you've ever uh, known anybody that got married or moved in with someone, that mm -hmm. first date, mm -hmm. that dictated the whole rest of the relationship. Right, right. First date, you get to go on a second. <laughs> and how often, how often do couples who've been together a long time remember their first date? Right. You right. do. Guess what? That at, that new employee remembers how they felt the first time you called them. Oh wow! Yeah, I, I, that never occurred to me one for for one second. It never did. We don't think about that. Right. Right. Well, imagine that that first phone call was a wow moment, mm -hmm. and you just validated that they made the right decision. Yeah. Now, when you're onboarding them, keeping them so much easier. Yeah. Yeah. No doubt, man. It's all it's all making sense, but <laughs> <laughs> they don't want to leave you and go through that horrible experience again. Yeah, that stress and everything else. So, so many opportunities to keep people. So, when when you're looking for, I, I got to be very careful about how I phrase this so I don't offend anybody. Um, oh, I you'll find out I'm not a very PC guy. Let's just go for it. <laughs> All right. Basically, if somebody's worth a shit, they're generally working already, right? <laughs> it's true. So. I mean, I don't mean any black marks against job seekers. What I mean is there's a whole bunch of people you could probably recruit that aren't looking on job boards. They've probably already got a job themselves. And yep. is, is that what's, you know, are they, are they passive job seekers? How do you go about finding them? Because they're not really dissatisfied where they're Careful at. They're not the really looking. <laughs> finding and stop looking for people. Stop it. <laughs> I, how do you go about attracting those guys? That, oh, they, yeah. They've already got a job. They're making okay money. But yeah. like, how do you make yourself uh, attractive to those guys? And, and where do they hang out? Well, let, let, let me just, for the people listening, let me just, clean up something you just said because you said passive job seekers and I want to make sure everybody listening knows what we're talking about here. So there's two types of people looking for work. There's active job seekers, three to 5% of the market mm -hmm. looking for work, three to 5%. That's it. Most of those people are on Indeed. They're on Monster, right. Career Builder. Mm -hmm. You name the job board. That's where they're at. Mm -hmm. Well, here's the reality about active job seekers. Most of them, you don't want to hire. Yes. They're either there unemployed, mm -hmm. which means you don't want them. They're disgruntled at work, which means they're going to bring baggage. Yeah. Right. They're, they're unemployable. Majority of them. Now, right. I don't want to make a blanket statement and say everybody on Indeed sucks because some people get laid off. Some people turn to yeah. Indeed when times get too tough. But for the majority of people on Indeed, if that's where all you're doing, if you're only fishing at Lake Indeed, I'm going to go back mm. to my fishing analogy. <laughs> guess what? The only fish that you're catching are those that are bottom feeders or being thrown back. Yeah. Yeah. You want those. Those are active job seekers. Now, don't get me wrong. You'll find some good people with active job seekers and you need to be actively looking in where the active job seekers hang out because, because sometimes you just need to hire people quick. And the cool thing about active job seekers, they don't got to turn in notice. Mm -hmm. <laughs> They'll jump in RV. <laughs> They'll fill a position tomorrow. Right, right, right. Yeah, yeah. But if you've got any kind of long-term plan for your business, 
you need to start going after passive job seekers. Passive job seekers, 70% of people out there right now that have jobs are open to a new opportunity. Right, right. So I want you to hear this for a second because if you've got people on your team, mm -hmm. seven out of 10 of them are open to working for someone that's not you. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah, and that's-, that's You can't a, disregard these people. Dude, that's a, that's a painful reality. It really yeah. is. And, and I've seen it happen across companies where like, you, you've got somebody that's that's there for two, three, four years and there's, there's just a little bit of friction and boom, out the door, gone. Yeah. And it, it's nothing to do with anything other than I'm always looking for the next opportunity. I'm, I'm your employee, but I'm always looking. Well, I'm, and, gonna, I'm gonna give everybody a little secret here. Okay. You've, you've probably heard this phrase before. People don't leave jobs, they leave. Yes. Right. Yes, yes. They leave yes. people. They, they, leave, they leave people. So, they leave management. So, so yeah. what that means mm -hmm. is if you want to get in front of passive job seekers, you need to understand why they're passively looking for work. So there's two re things that play here. Number mm -hmm. one is they passively look for work because looking for work sucks. Rejection after rejection. Nobody wants to wake up and get rejected or ghosted by an employer. Right. right. By the way, if you're getting ghosted by job seekers, Stop whining about it because employers have been ghosting job seekers for decades. <laughs> and you too. That's so true. Like, that's so true. I, I, dude, it's been a long time since I've applied for jobs, but I, you, you don't even get emails back. No, like, you know, it's nothing. nothing. Like, what nothing. in the world? Employers have been doing it for decades. Right. So, I, no, you know, like I said, I don't pull punches, but stop whining about candidates <laughs> ghosting you because you've been ghosting them forever. That's true. So, yeah. oh, so th that's why they passively look for work. They're, they don't want the rejection. They don't want to deal with the stress. They don't want to deal with all that. That's why they passively look. So passive right, job right. seekers, friends and family, hey, you know anybody, mm -hmm. stalking companies on social media, watching them in the news. That's what passive job seekers do. Mm -hmm. But why are passive job seekers looking? Because they don't see a future with their current team. Right. Not doing the work. It's not about the work. Mm -hmm. It's about the people they work with. And if they don't see a future with the people they work with, they're going to pass. We look now, it's not so stressful that they're, they're physically manifesting their stress and they're like, oh, I'm sick to my stomach. I can't right, work here anymore. Right, right. But it's stressful enough that they say, hey, if there's a better opportunity, I'm going to pursue it. Yeah. Yeah. And, and that's what they do. That's really difficult for me because, you know, as, as a employer myself and as a, as a guy that has you know, consulted with multiple companies, you know, you, you want to protect the company. But as like a human being, like, I totally understand if a kid's 25 years old and he wants to take a jump and go somewhere that'll, you know, pay him more and get him more experience and take another jump. And, you know, so I think there's a balance between, you know, we, we should expect. A, a limited amount of time out of these guys, but we should also pour into them and try to teach them as much as we can and, and encourage them to stay as long as possible. 3.1 years. There you go. If you get 3.1 years out of, a, out of an employee, you are average. If you get 3.2, you are above average. <laughs> <laughs> if you get five, you are top 5%. Right. So build an onboarding process, build a growth plan, build a training program around 3.1 years. I like that. What yeah. you need to do. Now, I want to go back to these passive job seekers. One last thing is I want to make sure that people have actionable things they can do. Okay. I just, that's me. I it's we can talk good, strategy man. and planning all day, but it's like, here's one thing you can go do. Yes. Yes. Give if them something to do. You know that people don't leave jobs. They leave people. What do you think your next job ad or job posting should be about? 
shouldn't be about the job. It should be about the people, maybe. Be like, about the people. Yeah. So take that thing that HR gave you, that compliance document, <laughs> throw it away, uh -huh. talk about it when you onboard them, and put together an ad that sells the company's culture, the company's leadership, the company's people. Put that together and post that. Not that. only are you going to stand out because your competition's not doing it, mm -hmm. but you're going to appeal to the reason that people are looking for work. You're going you're gonna to hit that personal note. They, yeah. they, they're already good at the job. They want, they want that personal note on the end. Dude, I love that. And, you know, when you, you were talking about Indeed, um, it reminded me of a saying that we used to say in the car business back in the day to where not all bad cars, not all cars at auction are bad, sorry, but all bad cars are at auction. And you could say the same for Indeed. Not all the employees on Indeed are bad, yeah. but all the bad employees are going to be on Indeed. And it's, it's got to be very careful picking your way through there. So, um, all right, new book, Ryan. This is, uh, this is a new book. This is your, you, as we talked before the show, you said your first quote-unquote real book, but this is actually your <laughs> second book. So um, tell us a little bit about the new book. And then after that, I want to hear about some of the challenges in becoming an author that you faced and that you overcame. So tell us about the new book. Okay. New book is called Hire Better People Faster. And I want to emphasize on better and faster mm -hmm. because here's the reality. Most companies don't have a hiring problem. Okay. They have a problem with hiring better people. Mm. So they take anybody that shows up. Yeah. yeah. And they're not qualifying. And then they're disappointed when on the other end, they just aren't retaining people. Mm -hmm. If you improve the quality of hires you make, which by the way, falls on you to make better <laughs> hiring decisions. Yeah. And if you can do it fast enough, you're going to build the dream team you've always wanted. And so in this book, what we do is we break down the seven components of the core fit hiring system. Okay. All seven components and all of the tools that exist within each of those components. Because once you understand that there's a component called automation, mm -hmm when it comes to your recruiting and retention processes and you implement the right tools for automating, you free yourself up to focus on people things, not computer things or system things or process things. That's what the computers do that. Right, right. That's focus what they're on for. The people things. So instead of you spending time with someone doing background checks and having conversations about references and all that, you can say, hey, what are you doing this weekend? Mm -hmm. Build a relationship with people. So we break down those throughout the book. Uh, lots of tools, lots of resources will be available on our website for download. And, uh, you know, I just, there's so many entrepreneurs out there and my heart bleeds for entrepreneurs. I mean, these are the people making it happen. So many out there that said, Hey, I left corporate or I left working for someone else because I want more. I want to work less. I want to make more money. I want to spend more time with my family, all of these things that they want. Right. And they wake up 10 years later and go, well, I guess I'll spend time with my grandkids now because my kids are grown up. <laughs> Ouch. Consumed me. Ouch. Right? Yeah, I mean it and hurts, but that's that's a, that's the fact of it, man. A, a lot of a lot of people that get into this like it doesn't work out, you know. Yeah. It's just it's just one of those sad facts. Especially especially in the blue collar space because they're drawn to that I'm going to go stay in the business. I'm going to do the work mm -hmm. more mm -hmm. instead of build the team and and leverage. Right. Well, I think that's the, because yeah. That's because we learn at a very young age when we've got the worker bee 
education and the worker bee mindset. I think that's because we learn physically, the more hours I work, the harder I work, the longer I work, the more I'll get done. Yeah. And, and we just, we haven't yet learned how to leverage our, our, our mental acumen into getting projects done and jobs done and completed by others. We're still very much of the fact that, hey, if I work 16 hours today, I can get double what I do in eight hours done. And it just, yeah. you know it doesn't work is, like though, that. You run out of hours. Yes. Someone hit me with this. And I had to remember this. Two things I had to remember. So let's, let's not talk about whether or not you like the guy, but richest man in the world. Elon Musk got the same 24 hours I got. Mm -hmm. And if I tripled, if I put in eight hours a day now and I put in 24 hours doing the same thing I did in that eight, I'm never going to even come close to catching up with him. No. Mm -mm. He no. doesn't do the work. No, no. He doesn't. He makes smart decisions about the people he hires mm -hmm. to do the work for him. And he leverages that at scale scales we can't even most of us can't will never comprehend exactly yeah and that's how he got to be so rich not by doing the work but by hiring people to do the work and that is the problem that i wanted to solve for so many entrepreneurs when you make better hiring decisions you'll mm -hmm. get what you want yes. out of your business yes yes and i like to equate it to orchestras because you can be a good violin player and you could be an okay at trumpet and you could be all right at playing a tuba and you could be okay at percussion but really, you should be standing up front, making sure you hire the best violin players and you hire the best trumpet players, and then you're the conductor. It's your job to organize and arrange and make sure they all play to the same tune. So I like to use that orchestra analogy, man. All we would do in orchestra is throw M&Ms at the tubers and try and get them down the hole. It would really, it would really annoy them. <laughs> <laughs> when you were painting that picture about the orchestra, I was thinking about, I can't think of any of their names, but the YouTubers that play all those different instruments and they got them in little different windows on the thing. I hadn't seen it's that. Like, I need it's to like find one that. person playing 12 different instruments and they put together this great arrangement. But I think they had to go do that for 30 minutes for every instrument. Yeah. I mean, it took them a whole day of playing and then they had to go coordinate all that and put it all together. And it's like, or you could have got 12 of your friends. Who each could have played an instrument. Come on, Ryan. You could have been a conductor and it had been done in three minutes. I don't know a single musician with 12 friends, mate. Come on. <laughs> <laughs> do you know what you call a, a drummer without a girlfriend? I do not. Homeless. <laughs> All right, I'll stop. Sorry. I was a I was a professional musician for a long time. I love my musician friends. I love I love it. It's um it's great. You, you hear all the music jokes, but no, back to back to uh hiring and, and organizations. It very much is like if you look at how an orchestra runs, you've got sections. Each section has a leader, you'll have a first violin player, you'll have second chair, third chair, and so on, and you've got a conductor up front running it all. And as the entrepreneur, yeah. it's your job to hire the best musicians you can and to conduct as well as you can you know so Absolutely. I, I love that analogy all right where are we going next man um i i want to know about the hard parts of getting a book together dude i want to know about the challenges of becoming what is seen to be a best-selling author you, you know i will tell you that i am what you would call a visionary i have i have shiny object syndrome mm -hmm. i love starting new things yep I'm the guy that wakes up and by breakfast, I've got a hundred mm -hmm. great ideas. Like yes, they're the best ideas yes, in the world. Yes, and then I yes. share them with my team or my family and they mm -hmm. just look at me like, what is wrong with you? <laughs> <laughs> Maybe there's one Did decent it, one in there. After, after the story, I have a cure for this. I, I can share with you, but please carry on. I'll, I'll share yeah, it Yeah, well, that was the hardest part about writing a book. Mm -hmm. I, had to, 
I had to finish it. <laughs> it wasn't just <laughs> enough to start it. I had to finish no, it. No, I get it. Yeah. And, yeah. you know, in some of the test reading, we got back, they're like, what were you doing? I'm like, well, I wrote this first half on this month and this mm-hmm. month I wrote this half. And they're like, I can tell. Yeah. Uh, it's like I started each chapter three or four times. I never finished any of them. So getting that level of detail put together to where it made sense. Mm-hmm. See, I, I, I'm a talker. I love to talk. I can, I can say the wrong thing and circle back and clean it up later. <laughs> but in a book, I don't get that opportunity. Oh, so, that's true. Yeah. yeah. That was one of the biggest challenges. And then another thing, thing I think too that was really challenging was is there's such a process to this. Like it's not just, oh, I write a book and I hit send like an email. That would have been awesome. Right, right. No, right. it's got to get designed so that it prints well. It's mm-hmm. got to have a good cover so that it sells well. Yep. You've got to convince Amazon that it's going to be a good, like you got to do all of these yeah, things. Yeah, there's so much to it. Man. It's a whole launch process. Yeah. Yeah. And so that, that was really a challenge too is learning something that I, never really wanted to learn and um, would be okay never actually using let someone else do it Dude, um, I'm, I'm doing a I'm doing a data science uh, master's course and I'm, I, I'd have been okay if I'd never learned this I mean it's fascinating and I'm making great grades but I'd have been okay if I'd never learned it I, I'm just like it'd be all right you know yeah yeah I got a lot of that stuff and um, you know that's another thing I learned too about being an entrepreneur is when you start out, you got to be good at all this stuff. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But you got to be able to let go of it pretty quick because if you don't, you're never going to be able to be an excellent at the stuff that mm-hmm. matters. That's that's what I tell. I say you should be good at everything and like you should be great at the shit that you're great at and focus on those things that you're great at and be good at everything else. Have a good understanding of it and stuff. Um, and I think that that could be a problem with entrepreneurs too is that they, they sometimes try to skip the level of understanding. I'm just going to hire a, a media guy or I'm just going to hire a marketing guy and they, they don't really understand what's going on. Mm-hmm. Um, but I want to jump back to the the solution of too much stuff to do, like entrepreneur shiny object syndrome. Um, I totally suffered with that, and as you can imagine, I get far more projects pitched at me than I actually am able to able to take. And there's so many things we want to do with television, with podcasting, with with all the older things. What my girlfriend Nina and I, what we do is we sit down and we write out everything we want to do. And we just pick the top three problems and that's it. Mm. We just focus on those until they're done. And it might take a week to solve one. And it took me three months to solve another, but it's done now. It's off the list. And only way I can do it is focus, man. (laughs) Otherwise I get, you know, I did a similar process. I'm a big fan of the entrepreneurial operating system. Yes, yes, yes. I did the delegate and elevate Mm -hmm. process. And uh, when I did it, a friend of mine, he looked at it and he goes in the, in the part that I loved that I was great at, you know, the one stuff that I should keep, I had like 12 things. He's like, no, five, <laughs> you pick five. Mm-hmm. That's it. And then if I finish five, he goes, now, which two were you willing to give up over the next Oh three? man. <laughs> I was like, oh, so yeah. he got me down to three. Mm-hmm. And so now every time I look at something, I'm like, is it one of my three things? And one <laughs> of my three things was spreading the message of this and being on podcasts and doing workshops. Mm-hmm. And so what I'm doing right now is one of the three things that I'm supposed to be doing as leader of this company and everything else has been a process for how do I, how do I delegate? Get it off how do plate. I get it that's off my awesome. plate forever? Yes. Dude, that, that's awesome. And it, it, it pleases me because three is my number of things. So I have three, mm-hmm. Nina has three. And then one of those three is a, is one we work on together. But yeah, it's, uh, it's, yeah. it's so cool. I find it very, very easy to get lost 
uh, with the amount of opportunities that there are to chase. And I think it's very important that you write down the things you want to do and then go do them. When you're hiring someone, do you have a process where you define the ideal employee for the position? And if you do, what does that look like? Yeah, so it's, it's called the core fit profile. And if you'll notice, there's no, everything's connected here. Everything's about your core. It's mm -hmm. core matters, core fit hiring system, core fit profile. The core, that's your culture. That's the yeah. heartbeat of your company. Like that's, I don't want to call it foundational. It's like more the hub. Yeah, can like we say core, business. you can say core values. You could, do yeah, you use core, core values? values are yeah. in there. Like, I mean, core values are part of your core. So yeah. in, our, in our system, the core is made up of two things, your core vision and your core story. And your vision is, uh, is where you're going, but it's defined by who you are, how you behave and why you do what you do, your values and your purpose. So values, vision, and purpose is part of core. But then, and this is where most people mess it, mess mm -hmm. it up, is they don't think, how do I communicate that? And so what they don't do is the core story, right. which is a part of our process that's really critical. It's one of the things that we just love doing is taking that vision and turning it into a story that we can share and, and then teach your team how to share. So when we start looking at your core fit profile, mm -hmm. your ideal employee profile, it's really less about can they do the work and more about can they belong inside your organization? Yes, yes. Because if yes. someone belongs there and they're, they want to be on your metaphorical bus, right? <laughs> and they want to go where you're going, you can teach them to do anything. You can teach them to do the work. I, but so many people <laughs> focus on can they do the work? before they focus on, do they belong here? Man, you, you just, you triggered a, a memory uh, when, we were, when we were touring, we were in the band and we were trying to recruit a new guitarist. And every guitarist that came through was, was high level, they could play, they were all good. And um, I remember the manager saying to me, it's not about whether they can play, Sammy, it's about whether or not they're an asshole. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Because if you think about it, it does. Everybody at, at that level of we can all play at the same level. Can we get along on a tour bus for a month? You know, yeah. that's that's the oh, question. Yeah. And so it is. Are you a proper fit personally for the company? You can do the job professionally, but are you going to get along with everyone? Yeah. And uh, here's the, here's the reality. This is another one of those hard truths. If you are firing people, or they're leaving you in the first ninety days of employment. Mm -hmm. You made the wrong hiring decision. Definitely, yeah. That's on you. Definitely, that, that's for you to own. That means you did not find out are they are they, are they going to be the right fit? Do they belong here? Are they going to get along with us? We're going to communicate well. Do we want to spend a month on a tour? Bus the, the, yeah, but the only that's what you need to be doing. The only way I learned that was by messing that up. You know, oh great, somebody with a warm pulse that can help out. We're busy, and then boom, three weeks in, you're like, what in the world did I do? And and every <laughs> entrepreneur has done that. Every, yeah. oh, every yeah. single one of them, because they don't know that it's not about can they do the job. It's about can they fit the culture? Can they fit with yeah. who we are and can we all get along? You know, but yeah, I've, I've been guilty of that in the past, you know, two, three weeks into it going, oh, shit. You know, what have but I you done? know what step one is for that is you got to know what your culture is. Oh, yeah. 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 And, you and know many people are like, ah, that's warm and fuzzy, stuffy stuff. I don't all, care all of about us, that. All of us. Do you know why? Because that's how we're raised. That's how blue collar is. Right, yep. you don't you don't think you don't feel, you don't react, you don't empathize, you shut up, you look down, you get on with your work, you get on with your job, when, you knock your when job out. When I first out. started this, 
I used to visit the job site a lot and I used to go to the, their offices and stuff and, and I, don't, I don't do that anymore. But mm -hmm. I remember sitting there and I'm having this conversation with the CEO owner and it's probably a 50, 60 employee company. He's like, these are blue collar guys. They're rough. They're tough. They don't have emotions. Mm -hmm. I'm like, hold on a second. Hold on a second. Let's rewind about three hours. <laughs> I remember that foreman standing there talking to the super and um, there was some choice color for words. He's like, oh yeah, that's normal. It's blue collar. Like we just say it how it is. And I go, I want to break something to you. You're not going to like, but that's called emotion. Yeah. <laughs> it's channeled the wrong way. Yeah. But emotion. But you can't don't tell me these guys aren't emotional, but you can't blame them for thinking like that because of how culture has been and because of how male culture has been, especially the oh, yeah. working class, you know, like I didn't believe a fucking word. I didn't believe a word of it. Like it's just, it's hippie nonsense. In fact, <laughs> my, my peers, my role models, the, the guys I grew up around, they called it hippie bullshit. Hippie mm -hmm. dippy bullshit is what they called it. Yeah. And do you know what? It turns out the hippies were right. Everything's based on energy. You know, everything's, yeah. ba it, it's, it, everything's based on manifesting and understanding what you want. You're manifesting your ideal employees when you set up your core values and make that list of things that you want in your business. But mm -hmm. it sounds hippie yeah. because turn up, do the work, get a paycheck. And that's how we were all raised. You know, it's funny though. Think about this. It's called an employee employer relationship. Like that's mm -hmm. what it's called. Yeah, it's a relationship yeah. and it really is. And I've seen some of these guys are like, I don't have time for this hippy dippy stuff. And then on the way home, what do they do? They buy some flowers for their girl and they come in like, Hey sweetie, whatever you want, let's do it. I'm like, wait a minute. Why yeah. are you connecting emotionally with someone there? Uh -huh. It's a relationship. Yeah. Yeah. Like you, you manifest it differently yeah. with your team, but it's still a relationship. You know what? These people are giving up time with their friends and their family to come work for you. Mm -hmm. Yeah. You want to engage them? You want to keep them? Give them friends and family at the office or at the job site. Or, you know, that's what you, you need. You're absolutely right, man. Because if, if, if we go to work and we enjoy the people we're around and we enjoy the job we're doing and it's, it's pretty much a, a, a nice frictionless place to be, dude, you'll stay forever. Yeah, so. absolutely. Man, I love it. Like this has been a really, uh, <laughs> it's been a really fun chat, man. I've uh, I've enjoyed it, dude. Um, as as we start to like move towards the end of the interview, Ryan, I I'd like to talk about like mistakes. <laughs> I'd like to talk. Wait, you said this is the end. Like, are we running out of time? <laughs> no, we've you know we've we've got we got a good we got a good we got as much time as you want. To be fair. Well, I mean, if um, but, you're gonna ask about mistakes, I I got a list. Right. So, like this, <laughs> this is like the last the last fourth of the interview. So, like you know, we're still at thirty thousand feet, and you can start to feel the plane start to descend, yeah, and yeah, that's yeah. kind of where we're at. We're rolling in. So, I want to talk about like the things that went wrong because you know the small business surgeon man. This this whole podcast, this whole persona, it all came about from me having a wonderful company, crashing it into the ground, not having anybody to talk to about it, and. Years later, when I finally opened up and started talking about it, every entrepreneur that I came into contact with came to me and said, oh, I had such a similar process. And I ended up making a, a bunch of connections with entrepreneurs that had all failed. And nobody tells you at the Chamber of Commerce that success is the outcome of consistent failures. It's just yeah. the, it's the, that, that's what it is. <laughs> if, you, if you play the game long enough, you'll win. But in order yeah. to win, you've got to lose a whole bunch of times. And so, like, I, I love to share the lessons from, hey, I messed this up and here's what I did. So what, yeah. what have you got, man? When did it go bad? Oh, I got a couple <laughs> of things. Um, you know, one of the things that I realized 
So we teach entrepreneurs how to create this, this culture where people have this sense of belonging. Mm -hmm. And and this is something I messed up early on is I it was really good at doing that with my people, but not good with my partner, mm -hmm. my business partner. Yeah. Yeah. We spent so much. It's kind of like what couples do, right? You spend all this time focusing on the kids. You forget to focus on the marriage. Bro, like, <laughs> uh, so, so I went through a couple of business partner splits and that's for another podcast. <laughs> well, yeah. I mean, they say, you know, we all have business partners and like when you're a teenager, you have some business partners. It's just your mates and it, and it always goes wrong. And then no, for the longest time, like, well, I'll never have another business partner again. But honestly, you know, when you look at a yin and a yang, like you've got to have the other half. You've got to have the other side of it. Like, yeah, so there's been a lot of challenges with that. Don't have a business partner now, although my wife is super supportive. But she told me, she goes, if you ever take on another business partner, the next phone calls to the divorce attorney. I'm just telling oof, you. Oof. So she pretty much put her foot down and said no more partners. Right. Uh, but, uh, you know, that was a mistake I made. But, you know, I think one of the things, too, that I think a lot of people here might need to hear is it took me a long time to realize that the riches are in the niches. Mm. And I think we've all heard it. And we're like, yeah, whatever. I'm niched. You know, I do this one thing. No, you don't. Yeah. You don't. You're not niching up. I met a guy. So his former client, um, he does kitchen remodels mm -hmm. that started a quarter million dollars. More than what some people pay for their whole house. Right, right. And you know what? He's only got to do five or six of these a year. And he's got a solid business. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And he's not killing himself. And I know contractors like, oh, I'll do a kitchen model at any size. Well, guess mm -hmm. what? The guy that can do a quarter million dollar kitchen remodel can't do a $25,000 nope. kitchen remodel and make mm -mm. money. Mm -mm. Not and at the all. guy that does $25,000 kitchen remodels can't do a quarter million dollar remodel and make money. Correct. Man, like I wish people understood that, like the yeah. the the stuff the stuff I end up explaining, and you know six remodels a year at a quarter million dollars, and he's charging a premium price. He's able to to provide a premium product, his premium service, hire premium subcontractors to work with him, and and get the job done right. You know, and there there really is something to be said for honing in. Uh, niching down on a particular demographic that you want to serve. And I think this really clicked with me when Alex Hormozy, he just said, stop solving problems for broke people. I'm like, oh man. <laughs> mm. Because, and, and I applied this to my real estate because I, I used to flip uh, single family homes quite successfully, quite happily, just do a couple a year. And I thought for, it wasn't my money. And for the same number of signatures and the same effort, I can flip commercial real estate and develop land. So why not do that? Because it's not my money either, right? Yeah. And it's, it's like going in and, and being a contractor and trying to paint a house for the lowest possible price mm. will lead to more headaches than saying, no, I don't want that job and going and finding a job that you can bid at the right price and get the right labor and the right contractors and get it done. It, it blows my mind. That is one thing I will tell you I learned really early on. I've, I've never had anybody say, wow, you're cheap. But I have had people introduce me and say, he's expensive and he's worth it. <laughs> yes. I learned that one real early yes. on. But yes. you know, the, never compete on price because there's always someone willing to go bankrupt faster than you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was. I was helping a buddy of mine the other day. He's just started out. Uh, uh, he's trying to do a, a website company, help websites. I'm like, well, what, what, are you, what are you selling them for? And he's like, I don't know, 500 bucks? I'm like, dude, come on, man. 
come on, let's, let me teach you how to sell what you're selling first. And yeah, I, I just feel for him because it's it's not a $500 job, but they, they don't know what to charge. They don't value their time and they've only been paid $10 an hour. So I, I don't know. I would. That's the other thing too, especially for the real small guys is remember mm-hmm. you didn't create for yourself a job. You're creating a business. Mm-hmm. So don't go out there and think, hey, if I charge 60 bucks an hour, that's 120 grand a year. And I'm like, yeah, but, but you aren't, you aren't yeah. billing. You're only going to get, hours a week. you might get you five hours a week if you're lucky when you're yeah. first starting out. Yeah. So like, you got to make that, you got to make that 300 that. bucks. I mean, that's why attorneys, yeah. like they don't bill 40 hours a week. That's why they charge 300 bucks. There an hour. you go. Yeah. Got to make a yeah. living. So yeah. 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 yeah, I mean, those are a few of the mistakes, but I think one of the ones you were just talking about with back to the niches is I remember my story. I was working with these contractors saying, Hey, I can, I'm generating these leads for you. Mm-hmm. And then when they, when they shut down the leads, I went and I got them employees and I was like, I'm going to do both. Right. So when they need leads, I'll be able to bill them for leads. When they need people, I'll be able to bill them for people. And I realized I wasn't doing either one well. Right. Man. And so I said, that's it. I'm going to go create a process just around the people. And now I've got a system that runs without me. In fact, clients now can come into our program. They can go through our training. They can download our stuff. They can follow our plan. It's all dialed in for them. And they can walk out the other end with the system completely implemented. Man. I would have never been able to do that. And I not said, who's my target market? Mm-hmm. How do I serve them in this one capacity? Yeah. Not getting other things, not talking about Yelp reviews and all these other things to help them with marketing and promoting. How do you do it around recruiting? And what we found is a lot of our clients will come back to us and said, my customer acquisition's up. Mm-hmm. I'm getting better customers. Mm-hmm. I'm like, yeah, because they see you hiring better people. Correct. Yeah. And uh, hiring better people. It, it, I mean, it's, it's that double-edged sword because the more money you're able to pay, the better talent you're able to recruit, the more you're able to charge for your services because your fulfillment is so much better. Like, so it, yeah. it just keeps going around and around. And uh, I wish I could give people the fortitude to take that jump and actually start charging what they're worth so they can hire the teams that they actually want to build, man. I think a lot of people are scared to put a big number on a job. I don't think they realize that they're not selling a finished job. They're selling an they're selling an end goal. They're selling something completed. They're selling this guy their time back. You know, and, you know um, we have one contractor that they know they charge a premium. They're about thirty percent more than the rest of the market. Like they're up there, mm-hmm. and their closing line is, "Would you rather pay me to actually be able to get out here and get it done, or would you rather go with the low guy who's going to always be chasing the dollar and might take 10 times longer to get your project done. Yeah. And what do you want to do? You want the guy that's going to do it profitably and will be here and deliver when he says, mm-hmm. or the other guy that's like, ah, I can't, I don't have time for this project. I got one that's making a little bit more money today. So I'm going to bail on you. Yeah. That's what contractors are doing these days. I mean, that, again, it's, it, it, I don't know about these days. Cause when I was a contractor 20 years ago, when I was working for a contractor 20 years ago, um, they would do what's called spiking jobs. Um, mm. They'd take the job, they'd show up, they'd start, they'd tear some stuff out, they'd leave their tools there, you know, a couple of boxes of tools and some, some material, and then they might leave it for three or four weeks because they had mm. other stuff that was more paying, but they didn't want to lose that job. And, um, you know, it, it ended up terrible customer service, you know, but obviously there was no Yelp and Google reviews and I stuff. Had, I had then. a guy, this was probably 15 years ago, he, t- you know, those little toe behind submit mixers? Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. He yeah, yeah. it to the tree in my front yard about three weeks in and the HOA started writing me up because I had this cement mixer chained to the tree in the front yard. It was mm. nuts. <laughs> okay, I'm like, con- dude, you need to get out here and finish this. I need that thing out of my yard. Contractors, um, man. Oh my God. I've, I've, oh, I've, construction nightmares. <laughs> <laughs> All right. But, 
But yeah. So like I said, the list of mistakes goes on and on, but those are a couple of the big ones that I think really had an impact on, on where I'm at today. All right. So last uh, set of questions for you, pal. This is one I ask everybody. Um, the show is, is aimed at entrepreneurs maybe that don't have quite as many gray hairs as we do. It's aimed at a few up and coming guys. If you could travel backwards and talk to Ryan from 10 or maybe 15 years ago, it was a little bit, you know, where a long way from where you're at now. Um, what's one piece of advice that you want to give him uh, about his future? Yeah. Um, normally it would be the niche, early niche, quick, you know, like niche I just, deep. I just stole that one, me. but we already talked about that. Oh, so let me give you another one. You hear that? What? <laughs> Lightning just hit the tree next to the window. <laughs> it was loud, dude. Sorry, it made me jump. <laughs> and that, that would be the one I would do. But let me give him another one. This is another thing that I think was really important to me early on was, and as, as entrepreneurs, we got ideas. We talked about all those yeah, ideas, right? Yeah, yeah. And a lot of times our ideas are how to get better at what we do. Mm -hmm. And if I could go back 15 years and say, here's what you're going to do day one, the second you have a process figured out that you like, you get it out of your head, you write it down and you make sure someone else can understand yes, it. Yes. Oh my gosh. Cause here I am now and I'm still doing this today. Mm-hmm. My, my team just sent me one today. They're like, is, did I get this right? Because now what I do is I just tell them the process and then they go write it down. Right, right, need. right. Gosh, if I had done that 15 years ago, I'd have all my processes written down, everything be out of my head. My team would know how to run this without me. How cool would that be? <laughs> yeah, yeah. It would be cool till you realize you'd have, you have to rewrite those things every couple of years. <laughs> but you know what, what I've learned? Here's what I learned. Yeah. If I can give the team enough so that they can get started mm -hmm. and they know what the outcome is, yeah. what's the end result, they're gonna do it their own way anyway. They're gonna write it their own way. They're like, yep. no, this is stupid the mm -hmm. way you did it. Instead of doing ABC, why don't mm -hmm. we do CBA and we get to the end result yes. faster? And I'm like, I never thought of that. Dude, that's, that's, that's exactly how I do it. I set up operating processes based on the work that I do. And yeah. then I say, I hire somebody that's better at me, better at it than me. And then I say the same thing. I say, hey, if you've got stuff that you can do to make this better, by all means, make the process better. And, and what happens is my, my leaders within my company end up modifying the processes and making them even more efficient. So I'm, yeah. I'm quite happy with Sometimes that. they'll come back to me and they're like, here's the process that we talked about six months ago. What? Mm -hmm. I don't remember any of this. So like, yeah, yeah, I made it better by throwing yours away. Yes. <laughs> yeah, but... but the point is, is that it's got to get out of my head to start with. Because if I keep it up here, I'm mm -hmm. the only one that can do it. And you know, anybody that believes, oh, I'm the only one that can do it. I'm the only one mm -hmm. that cares enough. I'm the only, if I want it done right, I got to do it myself. And that's just being naive. Yeah. It, yeah. There are people out there that will do it better and faster and cheaper than you will on mm -hmm. your team and make you more money yep. if you just get out of their way. Amen. Plus, if you get hit by a bus, your entire company is uh, is gone. So yeah. you have to have it written down. You do. Yep. Mate, I got one last question for you, Ryan. Okay. Um, the book. The book is yeah. coming out uh, very shortly, here, in the next, uh, here within the next few weeks. Uh, tell us again the name of the book. Tell us where we can follow you online. And uh, tell us where people can get a hold of you if they are interested in uh, hiring better people faster. Well, there's the name of the book right there. Hire better people faster. Uh, I, I am an easy guy to find. If you search for Ryan England or, or core matters, you're going to find it. Now there is a core matters out there. That's something to do with the gym and ab exercises, but ignore them. That's not who you're interested in. Corematters.com 
Uh, you can not only get access to a lot of our learning library and training materials on there, but you can also contact our team. Um, I've got a free masterclass. I've got book downloads. I've got all that stuff. And then if you are on LinkedIn, I'm very active there. Dude, thank you so much for coming on the show, Ryan. I really appreciate it, man. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Man, that was Ryan Anglin. Guys, if you enjoyed that, please do me a favor. Go over to his website at corematters.com. Check out his stuff and be sure and get on the list for his book, Hire Better People Faster, when it does come out. Ryan, thank you again for coming on the show, man. It's been an absolute pleasure to interview you today. Thank you. Thank you. All right, guys, that'll do it for today. You'll be good. Stay safe, and I will see you this Friday for Friday Fire. All right, have a great one. All right, that's it for today's episode, guys. I wanted to get on here personally, and thank you again so much for listening, hanging out with us, and being fans of the show. If you'd like to hear more about the show or follow us on any of the other platforms or leave us a review, do me a favor, go to followsam.live. There's plenty of stuff over there. And uh, if you'd want to know a little bit more about what I actually do for a living, you can find us over at smallbusinesssurgeon.com.